If just one hour a week of Josh Wiggler talking about Survivor is not enough for you, join us on the Evolution of Strategy, our 30-chapter Survivor retrospective audiobook, which you can hear anytime at evolutionofstrategy.com. Hear the first chapter all about Survivor Borneo for free at evolutionofstrategy.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back to The Wiggle Room after episode number three of Survivor Co. Wrong. And now, here is the star of The Wiggle Room, the great Josh Wiggler. Yeah. 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 Wiggler. What? Who? Me. Yes, that's me. Yes. yes, here he is. I wish this was video because I do dance when I hear that. Who doesn't? I'm dancing right now. It's not a great dance. Total white guy dance, but it's happening. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So here we are. <laughs> Ready I to go. You. Yes, the wiggle room doors are open. Prepare to fire. <laughs> the bomb doors are open. Prepare to fire. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's right. Boom. We need to wiggle with a purpose, Rob, and we need to do it now. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Debbie. Yeah. Josh Wanner. Josh Wanner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think that's what it said on my fake ID when I was 18. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So here we are, Josh, to talk about the fallout from episode number three here in the wiggle room how was your week josh my week was fantastic loving this season still high on this season three great episodes in a row had a good chat with liz markham on thursday i was surprised that she was the one that got kicked off i guess not super surprised as the episode rolled along but going into that this week definitely didn't think it was going to be liz so that was fun great weekend got to hang out a little bit with gordon holmes and dalton ross last night that was fun Oh, what were you guys doing the survivor press illuminati it's our (laughs) monthly get together so that was that was good were you guys doing some sort of gross food competition yes we were uh and as usual gordon is the champion reigning champion impossible to dethrone that guy what was it? Was it business or pleasure? No, Gordon was in town, so we got together. It was my first time seeing those guys since Cambodia, so almost a year ago. So yeah, just, you know, broing down as you do. It was fun. Were there many Tonas consumed? <laughs> the Tona beer? I still haven't done the Tona beer. I know that Dalton and Gordon are both big advocates of that. I guess <laughs> it's a, a Nicaraguan beer, but I'm not cool enough to have experienced that. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm still a rookie. I haven't had the Tonya beer. <laughs> Josh, I want to talk about your exit interview uh, with Liz over on Parade.com. Did there was there anything uh, of note that you want to talk about from your conversation with Liz? Anything of note in my conversation with Liz? Well, I started off by asking her uh, my biggest question that I had for her was trying to figure out why she looked like an awesome pirate back in episode two when she was looking into the telescope thing. Yes. Because I was very confused about that. Uh, and I have that gif in my article on Parade because I just think it's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen on the show. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's just like a very normal smart person thing that she was doing. She was using it as a protractor so that she could figure out the height of a nearby tree. Um, <laughs> so I guess that's that's what happens in kindergarten camp. You, may, you use protractors and you figure out sizes of trees. Uh, beyond that, I mean, it was pretty straightforward interview, honestly. Nothing super breakout worthy. I thought it was interesting that she said that the one thing that she wishes she could have gone back and done, at least if, um, you know, if not earlier in her season, you know, maybe solidifying some better better relationships with the people on her tribe but in the run-up to tribal council she said that she had a feeling that the target was going to be on her and peter that 
that things were not going right for them. She assumed that Peter was going to be the guy that was being targeted, and she feels like if she had really, really felt that way, she should have put a vote on Peter, and it would have three, two, one him out of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would been that would have been fun if that had been the way that it played. I think that either direction, whether it was Liz or Peter going home um, that way, I think it still would have been a pretty big night. Um, but I, I, I think that beyond my exit interview with her, there have been a, a couple of exit interviews that she gave. I didn't get this from her when I spoke to her. I would have thought that she would have led with this, but apparently she was like evacuated out of Cambodia after she got voted out. Yeah, I did notice when I would go through and my process is then on Thursday morning, I'll start watching all the secret scenes. And the first one I'll go to, especially in the pre-merge, is, you know, Liz the day after. And I looked for that video and I couldn't find it. And my first reaction is like, oh, I bet she was pissed and didn't want to talk to the camera crew. I had the the same thought. I had the same exact thought. And so, no, that was not the case. What happened to her? She uh, apparently she got out of the game. She was voted out of the game. They discovered that she had like a bad staff infection. She needed to be uh, evacuated to the capital of Cambodia where they operated on her back and like cut out flesh from her back and her arm and then had to be sent back to America to have some plastic surgery done to fix up like the wounds that were left behind. Wow. That sounds pretty intense. So if she was still in the game, would she have been medevac out had she stayed? Well, I don't know how serious it would have gotten, but I think that it's probably the kind of thing that they did the medical check on her once she's out of the game and they notice this thing, but it's not like they're necessarily looking for that while she's in the game unless she's flagging medical. So it may have been a latent thing that would have taken a while to notice. Um, it could have, it could have absolutely possibly been a thing that took her out. Um, Pretty wild. Pretty pretty wild story for Liz. One of the other things that I keyed into in your interview with Liz is that you sort of got the origin story of Liz and Steven meeting uh-huh. on OKCupid. Yeah. And I had thought that maybe Liz had been a Survivor fan, saw Steven, and reached out. But apparently that she was not a uh, super Survivor fan before going on a date with Steven Fishback. She said that she had watched a few seasons. Uh, she, she knew the show. She knew what it was. She wanted to talk to Steven about it. And she knew that Steven was a contestant, but didn't know that Steven was a contestant because she looked at the profile and was like, oh my God, Steven Fishback. Mm-hmm. She knew that Steven Fishback was a contestant because I guess on Steven Fishback's OKCupid okay profile, it's like the fifth thing down mm. on the list. It's like buried. He buries the lead about the survivor thing. He puts it further down on the list, which I think is kind of like a slick move. It's like, oh yeah. And you know, I was on Survivor once. It's you know, not a big deal. Not a big deal. Right. But that's like the kind of thing we're like, oh, interesting. He's not wearing a buff in his profile picture. (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think he's in the buff either. (laughs) Uh, I don't think you want to wear the buff if you want to get in the buff with your OKCupid date. Yeah. My profile picture would be in the buff wearing a buff. (laughs) Oh, no. Blood everywhere. The worst. You don't have to go that far. The worst. (laughs) Too far. You didn't have to go that far either. Yeah. So... Yeah, so Steven was the one that sort of like said, hey, you'd be perfect for this. I know. Yeah. And I was like, so was that like a second date, a third date? She's like, no, first date. First date. He said it. He just, he busted, he busted that out. I wonder so. if she just came home and said to him, so 
That was some great idea you had. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, third one out. You know, nine, nine days of Survivor, gets a nasty staph infection, has to have this dramatic surgery, has to be flown back to America. I can't imagine that she was absolutely psyched about what had happened to her. <laughs> some great yeah. know-it-all you are. Yeah, I, I'm sure that he had a... He, I, if I were her, I would have left a nasty review uh, <laughs> yeah. for Fishback's profile. I don't know if that's how it works. I don't know if you review people. I don't know if it's like Yelp. <laughs> I don't but, think so. A cry for Yelp after that experience. (laughs) All right. Well, let's start to get into talking about the story of this season, as we like to do on The Wiggle Room. And I guess let's go back to that Brains Tribe and talk about this story that's developing where we ended up with these three pairs of two. I ended up calling them the three work spouse relationships Uh in the voicemail podcast. So now here's Peter, who's sort of now alone on an island. And now I think that the story, at least coming into this week, is going to be how is he able to work his way back into uh, this very difficult fifth wheel situation he finds himself in. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. And I mean, I was surprised with the direction of the story for the Brains Tribe this week. You know, we talked about it a bit last week. We talked about how it looks like Debbie and Joe would be in trouble based on everything else that we had seen so far. And I don't think that that was an inappropriate read of the situation given the scenes that we'd been given. But I think this week, some things came to light. I think that the alliances at the Brains Tribe were a lot more fluid and flexible than we had been led to believe up until that point that I think everybody was kind of commingling and co-wronging with each other. You know, I think that a lot of people were flirting with the enemy. And it's an interesting tribal dynamic when you have a tribe of six that is comprised of three strong twosomes. Um, Can you think of another example of that? Off the top of my head, uh, maybe the white collar tribe way back when, where it was Max and Shireen, and then we had So and Joaquin, and then also Carolyn and Tyler. Yeah, I guess that, that that's kind of that's that's kind of good. But I mean, it's rare. I feel like I feel like it's rare, and especially for and that was just you know three days, um, and things morphed very quickly after that. But for nine days of this being the dynamic on that tribe um, must have been very, and especially with the people who are classified as the brains, must have been a pretty interesting dynamic. So something's going to give in that situation. Peter and Liz are the losers in this uh, in this vote, and I think you're right. I think that Peter. Peter is, by all accounts, looks like he's in trouble. He's a smart guy. He should be able to find some sort of way out of this if he's as smart as he says he is. But he lacks that emotional intelligence. And as we always talk about, you know, the social game is so key. It's so clutch. It's so important. It's probably, it's so Kim. It's the thing. You know, you want to have that. That's the skill that you really need to have to flourish on this show, I think. And now is the time to see if he's got that gear. Uh, He really did not show that he had that gear in this past episode and now for this tribe it's sort of constructed very oddly in terms of how we're going to view this tribe because i do feel like that this is a tribe maybe without a leader it seems as though maybe we might say debbie is the leader Uh of this tribe but that is a very oddball type of person that you would have leading this tribe and i'm not sure if we necessarily spoke with a day nine aubrey or neil they would necessarily see it as that debbie is their leader how do you see the way that this tribe is constructed and do you think that they're maybe rudderless from here on out 
I think I think it's a really interesting dynamic right now. I think that the Brains Tribe is one of the most up for grabs situations. Um, I mean, I think it is the most up for grabs situation in the game. I think the Beauty Tribe is fairly clear right now. The leadership on Brawn is fairly clear. Um, Brains is absolutely rudderless. And I think that you could walk away from this episode thinking, huge victory for Neil, Aubrey, Joe, and Debbie. They are going to be unstoppable. If they go back to Tribal Council, Peter is toast. Uh, I don't think that that necessarily is the case. I think that there is room for Peter to maneuver here i don't think that debbie is necessarily captaining a ship i think that peter could be a very valued prize in in an in an upcoming vote if they were to go back to tribal council i think i think that you could you could see neil and aubrey jockeying for peter's you know vote and trying to go after joe or debbie right now i think you could see debbie or joe coming after peter and trying to use him as a three to neil and aubrey's two i think that there's a lot of possible directions for this to go and it's not hopeless for peter at all unless he really is a as much of an egotistical, conceited, narcissistic, yeah, as Debbie seems to think that he is. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that Debbie's just like, you know, slam dunk in charge of this tribe by any stretch of the imagination. Well, that's a really interesting point that you make. And just to talk about another 222 scenario, possibly and probably one where the lines weren't drawn as clearly as they are here in this Brains tribe, but in the original Brains tribe, we saw where David Sampson and Cass seemed to be paired up pretty early. And then, of course, Garrett and Spencer were a pair, and Jatia and Tasha were also paired up. And we saw then, after that first tribal council where David Sampson gets voted out, that Cass was the vote that was up for grabs. Right. And while it seemed like the four people that voted together at the previous vote in Jatia, Tasha, Garrett, and Spencer logically might just vote out Cass next, we saw Garrett and Spencer come to Cass and talk to her about being a potential swing vote. And then ultimately, Cass ends up going and siding with Jatia and Tasha as that swing vote. Now, I don't know if Peter is going to be able to maximize that swing vote position in the same way that Cass would in that vote, or also at the merge in the original Brains versus Brawn versus Beauty. But we'll see. That's a possibility where maybe he ends up being a prize more than a pariah from here on out. Yeah, I think I think it's absolutely a possibility. I think it's really going to depend on, you know, how accurate was it when Aubrey says he lacks emotional intelligence, that he doesn't have that, you know, that he is not in tune with how other people are feeling because that's so important. Um, you really need to you really need to know what the temperature of the room is. And if he can't figure that out, then he would be just an easy person to get rid of now. And he's a, probably the right person to get rid of now for a lot of reasons, because he's just been, you know, his game was just blown up by these people. You got to feel like a swap is coming up very 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 soon if you do go back to tribal you know in the next episode you want to get rid of the guy who is most likely to flip if you have a powerful foursome if you can trust the other twosome um, more than you can try and you know more than you would want to recruit peter into your cause so i think that there's reasons to get rid of peter and i think if he sticks around it's going to be because he is expressing his value um or maybe because some of these other people are just going to get greedy um so tough to see tough to read exactly what the what the situation is on brains but i I would say like i wouldn't you know i i I went into this episode not expecting much strategically from someone like debbie and she really wowed me i was really wowed by debbie this week debbie wower yeah debbie wower i thought she was great didn't you she's very good she's very good let me ask you about peter's position one more time so if one of the other twosomes is able to recruit him do you think it's more likely that neil and aubrey 
bring him into the fold? Or do you think it's more likely that Debbie and Joe bring him into the fold? I don't know. I mean, I think in terms of gamesmanship, I think that the person who we know the best as a player right now is Debbie. You know, it was actually, it was a pretty quiet episode for Neil and Aubrey. We didn't see much from either of them. Neil is being accused of the, of being the snake in ice cream pants. We don't really see anything from him that gives us that indication. He seems like a pleasant enough guy in the confessionals with him when he's talking at Tribal. Seems like a nice enough dude. There's nothing really overtly shifty about the guy other than the fact that he has ice cream pants. And I don't know how much that makes you a shifty person um so i just feel i feel like we don't know enough about how he's playing the game i don't think we know enough about how aubrey is playing the game to say that they are going to be the likelier people to pull peter in i think that we've seen a lot about debbie and debbie has sat back she's observed she has gathered intelligence um let's see if she can gather this intelligence let's see let's see if she could gather peter she would be the person that just based on her prominence in the story right now i would have my money on her recruiting peter and peter seems like to me based on what we've seen of peter that she would be the person he would want to work with the most considering that he had said like i want to tuck her under my wing she's such a kooky person perfect person to drag to the end if there's an opening for somebody to work with on this tribe i think that you know beggars can't be choosers i think he'd go whichever side had the right deal for him but i think if he had it his way i think that he would like to go with debbie i agree i think just in reading the tea leaves from these last couple of episodes I feel like that most of the negative commentary that we've heard from Debbie and Joe, that was all directed at Liz or mostly directed at Liz that they thought right. that she was, they didn't like how she wanted to build the fire. And we heard Debbie call her a prima donna. In terms of the negative comments from Aubrey and from Neil, I feel like that their negative comments were all directed at Peter. Right. And if we take a look at the negative comments from Peter, while he said that Debbie, does she have 30 cats or 40 cats? He also called her as the sort of loyal person you would want to work with, but he was the one talking about Neil is the target. Neil is the person who might be the snake in ice cream pants. It's obviously not your plan that we're going to be doing tonight. So I feel like the animosity is from Peter's side towards Neil and from Neil and Aubrey. Aubrey also talked about, oh, Peter, I would never want to work with somebody like that without the emotional intelligence. And he's somebody who doesn't really talk to me. So I feel like that Neil and Aubrey dislike Peter, whereas Peter dislikes Neil. And I feel like it makes all the sense in the world for Peter, if he gets back into the fold, to do so with Debbie and Joe. Yeah, and I mean, the misdirect of the episode was Neil and Aubrey wanting to go after Peter. You know, that didn't bear any fruit, but that was, you know, that was the drama going into tribal council pretty much was, is it going to be Liz or is it going to be Peter? It's really not going to be any other of the four. Um, for you, what do you think is the right move for the foursome? To stick together as a foursome, or should the Neil and Aubrey contingent and the Debbie and Joe contingent, should they break off and fight for Peter? I think that the right move is probably for this foursome to stick together that Peter has sort of proven himself to be somebody who is very self-interested. And I think that the numbers are in the group of four where Peter does seem like the more likely person to flip things around after a swap. So I, I would say stick with the four. I really want them to go back to tribal. I want them to go back to tribal before any sort of swap, before any sort of merge. I really want to see how that plays out because I think the dynamics on this tribe are so interesting. I think that the Brains tribe really woke up this episode. Uh, after they lost the immunity challenge and things started to get a little funky back at the beach, I had tweeted something like, oh, this is, this is the Brains tribe. The, this is the Brains tribe we were looking for. We want to see a little bit of an explosive disaster. But I actually don't think that it's really an explosive disaster. I think that Peter and Liz 
just did not have a good sense of how to work with these people on a personal level. And I think you reap what you sow on something like that. Uh, reap what you sow, Kim. I'm just uh, trying to anticipate what you would say there. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, I, I think that it's just like these are these are people that are are interesting strategic players. And it's such an interesting strategic situation right now that I would I would really like to see that. I would like to see that play out. Um, I don't know if we will, but it would be fun to see. All right. Over in the Braun tribe, we saw this battle for the hidden immunity idol, which ultimately resulted in Kyle Jason, Kylo Jason. He ends up with the hidden immunity idol in his hand. Are you on the King Kyle bandwagon? (laughs) Is that what we're calling him? King Kyle? (laughs) That's what David Bloomberg called him last week. I like that. I liked uh, Antonio's suggestion, Kyle Drogo. I thought that was good. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I like Kyle Jason as a character. Um, you know, I think that he's bringing a lot to the season. I know that you talked about with Amy, uh, who you think the three, you know, sort of big characters of the season are. The three are breakouts, so I think. Right, right. And it's Ty, it's Debbie, and it's Kyle. And I wouldn't disagree with that. I think that, you know, Kyle, who had said before the game that he wants to out Russell Hans, Russell Hans, I think that he's on his way. Uh, I think it's still very, very, very very early days but that's you know he's definitely bringing that kind of energy you know he is somebody that is an antagonistic force on the show in terms of his character and i think you i think you you don't always want that on survivor but i think when you can have a really good character who is bringing that sort of element i think that it can be fun and i'm i'm liking it in terms of tv am i rooting for him to do you know to do well in the game yeah i wanted to stick around for a while am i rooting for him to win hell no no way uh i think that you know the, the way that he treats blondie i don't like it uh it's not my favorite thing but i think that he's a really compelling character and i actually i know a lot of people or at least a certain group of people don't like it when survivor does like the big dramatic idol hunt scene um i really liked this one Mm -hmm. Uh, like it really it really felt like an episode of kyle the bounty hunter it was a really interesting fight for the idol because of so many different people involved typically we end up with the idol hunt being one person looking around and sort of like so the sea was angry that day. I went out there and I looked high. I looked low. I looked. You gotta dig deep if you wanna find the eye. Yeah, you know, and yeah. there's just like the big montage of like a of like a hero guy like Mike or Jeremy. That's usually what we, what we get, right? And then ultimately the music is swelling. You know where right. it's going. But this yeah. was a lot of different ways that this could have unfolded. Yeah, you know, if, if the if Scott had popped the the key out, you know, just like a few inches to the right or the left or something, you know, it very could have been the mental giant who grabbed that. Thing. <laughs> uh, you know, so it was definitely tense. It was definitely tense, and I think that there was a lot going on in that sequence. I think that you could really pick apart that sequence and find a lot of things to chew on. Um, you know, I think, I, and just on the Kyle level, uh, it really felt like you saw him at work. Like this is what he does, and I think the way that he narrated it was really cool. Yeah, you know, like. Uh, you, you only have so much time to, to like find your target. You've got like less a, a 24 hour window. You got to move fast. And like, it felt like the survivor version of him kicking down a door and tackling a guy and bringing him in for the bounty. Uh, so it was cool. It was cool to see that actualized on the show. Yeah. And story wise, I think that Jason has been such a polarizing figure just in the survivor community. I read the comments and then the, I see people saying how they really don't like him. Other people are saying that they really enjoy watching him on the show and people are rooting for him. So it's not often 
that I feel like that the audience is so split on one person, even in the we have where, oh, the casual fans that quote unquote might like a person, but a big portion of the Internet audience doesn't like him. Right. But he does seem like he's kind of split down the middle here. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think that there's people who just see him as nasty. And then I think there are people who see him as, you know, being an aggressive player. And that's cool. Um, And I'm somewhere in the middle on that. I think that he's definitely got his moments of nastiness. And then he's got moments where he's playing really hard and pushing the the speed of the game. And I like that. Um, I don't feel good about his chances to win this thing. I really don't. You know, unless he really has to he has to start showing a little bit of a softer side, a warmer side, something that's, you know, not always calling Alicia Blondie. Um, You know, there's there's a great confessional of him on Dalton Ross on, on Entertainment Weekly. Did you watch this? I heard it. Well, it was, it was auto playing on an article I was reading that Dalton wrote. Yeah, it's you know it's him talking about the teddy bear that he got from the emotional items that they won at the challenge, and he's talking about how it's his daughter's. And then when you know his second daughter was born, the first daughter gave the bear to the second daughter. It's a really sweet and touching story, and it's really just for us. It's not for anyone out there on the beach. And then in the same breath, he's just like referring to you know he's talking about everybody else's emotional item, and he's talking about Blondie's emotional item, and he doesn't even know what it is, and he doesn't care. And it's like that kind of thing. Like if you want to if you want to win this game you got to care about what Blondie has as an emotional item, and you probably want to know her name. Yeah, Um, but let me just make one point in defense of Jason, that if there is just one person, if it's all directed at Blondie, if it just so happens that we don't know anything about her, we don't really see that much about her, maybe she's the most annoying person that ever lived. Is that... (laughs) It's it's not impossible. It's in the realm of possibilities. Yes. We didn't hear him talk this way about Jennifer. We don't hear him talk this way about Sydney. We don't hear him talk this way about Scott. He said that Darnell was a really nice guy. So every other person in the tribe, he has no issue getting along with. I mean, isn't there a possibility that we see him go into a swap or emerge, and he's able to have a perfectly fine social game with everybody else. There's just this one person who's out there who really gets under his skin, who he just absolutely detests. It's not impossible. It's definitely not impossible. But what's going to happen when he meets Debbie Warner? You know, (laughs) what happens when Kyle, Jason and Debbie collide? What happens, you know, when he sees Ty Trang? Is he going to be like, is he not going to call Ty Trang some sort of name? I would bet against it. You know, I would I would bet on him having nicknames for more people in this game and maybe using them to their face. That just seems to be the type of person that he has shown himself to be on the show so far. I just think that there, the book is not yet written on who he is. I think we need to see him have this sort of pattern with one other person before we can say it's a actual character trait. I just think it's very much within the realm of possibility. You know, I said that about Alicia (laughs) that, okay, I think she's like a cat. And we have seen that this sort of behavior come up around a player like cat before in the past. I think there could be something about Alicia, which pulls this out of people. It's not impossible. I, I just think that for for the story and for people to be on Kyle's side, I think that we need to see that other dimension. I think that we need to see a, something something softer. You know, not necessarily like Jeremy has this crazy story about how Val is back home and is pregnant and he's got a son on the way and he's playing for his family. Like, you don't need something that dramatic. But Kyle has a very good family story that I feel like needs to be a little bit more on the show to get people 
on his side. Like, I know that, like, you know, Russell Hans is the Survivor Samoa person that he evokes so much. But I think that maybe he wants to play, you know, I think maybe you want to see a little bit of Kyle Jason. I think that you want, you know, I think that you want to see, like, you know, I've, you know that guy who had, like, a, a, a nice demeanor and had a little bit of a story, a softer side. I think that you want to see some of that in Kyle. I think that you want that going forward. And I don't know if we're going to get it, but I think it'd be great if we did. And that might help with the polarizing problem. So let me just read in between the lines. So are you saying that if it was supposed to be where we were supposed to be rooting for Kyle or Jason, if the show was sort of giving us the shorthand that Jason is a character we should be rooting for, you feel like we would hear more of this stuff that's in the secret scene in the episode? I think it would balance out a little bit more. And I and as you said, the book is not yet written and we're only three episodes into this thing. So there's a lot of time for that to happen. I think if we start seeing a little bit more of that on the show, I think that that's a good sign for Kyle. But if it's just the way that it is right now, it doesn't look fantastic for me. So we'll see. Let's see how it goes if Jason ends up meeting more characters. I will also just add in Jason's defense that the other people on that Braun tribe also seem to be losing their patience with one Alicia, not to the degree to which Kyle is, you know, and also they're not saying things like, okay, I hope she can eat my uh, dead skin in the pot. Right, but Scott Pollard is calling her half a person. Mm-hmm. Saying, like, how can we win with three and a half people? And not for nothing, yeah. if she's half a person, then he's one and a half people. <laughs> so they're at four people again. Yeah, most of us are half a person compared to Scott. <laughs> yeah. But nobody seems to like her on that tribe. Sure, 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 sure. But then a counterpoint is, I know that you said that you haven't really seen Jason trashing anybody else other than Blondie on the show, but Jen Lanzetti is saying that I am going against Kyle and Scott, or at least flirting with the idea, because I don't think that he is, you know, I I don't like his nasty attitude, is basically what she's saying there, or at least that's part of her argument in my exit interview with her last week. Um, So other people are picking up on that as well. Okay, so we'll see. Ultimately, I think the the jury's out on that. How that that goes. In terms of of the Braun tribe. Are there any other stories that you're interested in besides Alicia versus Jason? Absolutely. I think that we need to start paying a lot more attention to Sydney. Yes. Um, I think that Sydney is... Hello, surprise, Sydney. Yeah, I think that Sydney is Sydney is really impressing me. Um, I think you know it's 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 a quiet story so far. I think it's one to keep an eye on. It might be something. It might be nothing. But I thought that Sydney played excellently this week. I thought that uh, you know you're going to give the fishy to Debbie because she's in, you know a part of the vote and everything, and that's exciting. But I think that really a lot of credit should go to Sydney. Sydney would be my MVP from the week just in terms of how she played. I wouldn't go quite that far, but I do feel like it was a coming out party for her. I think so. I mean, I, th- I think just in terms of the subtlety of her game, I was really, really impressed. I was, um, you know, I, the way that she handled the whole idol situation that she is some that, you know, she is in with Kyle and Scott, but Alicia feels comfortable enough with Sydney that Sydney's the person that she's bringing along for an idol hunt. And I don't know that you want to give the lion's share of credit to Sydney for that, or if you want to take a strike against Alicia for trusting the wrong person. I think you got to try and trust somebody out there. And Sydney was the person that Alicia came to. I think that Sydney handled the that business so well with the way that she went to Scott and Kyle afterward and very, very quietly without drawing any attention to herself, tipped them to what's going on, told them what's going on. She, you know, she could have said, sat on that information. It would have been the wrong thing to do. I think that she handled that really, really well. Um, I'm loving what Sydney is putting down right now. And she seems to have a really level headed look at, at the playing field on the Braun tribe right now. And I think, um, 
I don't know. I, I'm loving Sydney. I, I don't know how much more I can say. I think that she's great. Her story is going to be an interesting one to watch because I think that she has correctly read the room there on the Braun tribe right. where, okay, Jason is sort of the heavy hitter and him and Scott are sort of ruling this thing with an iron fist. I saw what happened to Jennifer when she tried to get her own thing going. So I'm going to stick with these guys. Come swap time, though, she could be a very interesting chess piece that could be flipping around if she gets away from these guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, a lot depends on how on how that shakes out. Um, you know, what the tribe divisions are, who is where, if she's separated from Kyle and Scott, if she's with the mental giant, if, you know, some, if any configuration is going to be interesting. But she's, she's showing to me that she's a really flexible player, um, that she can roll with the moment. Semper Gumby. You know, yeah, Semper Gumby. You know, maybe that's going to be, I don't think it's going to be the new uh, anybody but me, but it's, you know, it's going to be, it could be a good strategy for her. Um, and you see it, you see it here. I mean, if Kyle is not spying on them and seeing them looking at idol clues and things like that, does she sit on that information? Does she take an idol with Alicia? Maybe, maybe that's the way the wind is blowing that day. Uh, but given the way that things were shaking out, she acted totally appropriately. Um, so yeah, she's clever. I think that she's really clever and certainly in terms of pregame expectations versus how it's playing out on the show, I don't think that anyone would have given her enough credit um, in the pregame versus how she's playing right I now. I agree. She really threw us off the scent, though, with this yeah, whole totally. storm and Rebecca, <laughs> yeah. bipolar, sort of going to fight with people. So yeah. she did give us the lower expectations, which, of course, is the key to happiness for yeah. survivors. And conversely, I'm nervous for Scott Powered. Um, I think that Scott's in a good position right now with Jason and with Sydney. You know, I, I don't think he's in any danger of being the fourth person, you know, in, in that tribe. I think Alicia is that with a bullet. Um, but I'm, I'm worried about him down the road. I feel like the scene with him in the beginning of the episode when him and Alicia are talking about why he wrote her name down instead of Jen's. And he says, like, I'm a loyal person. And that's why I voted for you instead of Lanzetti. It's like, this is a pre-merge. Like, don't don't do that. You know, just vote out Jen Lanzetti. Don't don't put Alicia his name down and i feel like the way that he explains it it just shows to me like that's that's a certain gear that i don't think you necessarily want in your survivor winner and i just i'm starting to get that feeling you know the fact that he finds this thing with kyle jason i just feel like it could backfire against scott and i feel like you get a little bit of that in the episode where scott is saying i wish that i was the one who had it but i trust jason and that just feels like that is Chekhov's betrayal you know in in the making it just feels like that is coming yeah scott can't win unless he really starts to pick up the pace that I said this on the know-it-alls that I feel like that he is just somewhere in between the survivor one to eight sort of like, okay, I'm out there. These are my people. I'm just going to make my alliance. I'm going to trust these people. And I think that he is uh, not keen to the voting blocks, the voting unit. There is nothing to indicate (laughs) that he is somebody who is aware that he is playing survivor during the evolution of strategy volume four. Right, right. No, he's, he, you know, he seems like a really solid totally totally solid classic survivor player Mm -hmm. you know like i feel like he's got lots of great old school sensibilities and if this was you know a season pre all-stars or pre your season or something like that i feel good about scott's loyalty game like he would be great as part of the boran three you know like i feel like you know if you if you sub out big tom and you put big scott in there instead i feel like he does well i feel like he does really well and i feel like he's a threat to win uh but you know in this game like he's not taking a lot of ownership I think I think he's happy to let Kyle do the dirty work for a while and I think that he feels comfortable with his relationship with Kyle and I feel like he's probably I could see him walking into a place where he's just too comfortable. All right, let's go over to the Beauty Tribe and let's talk about Ty who also 
is in possession of one of the hidden immunity idols. And I think it's time that we need to officially brand the Ty Trang fans. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's been a lot of talk about Thai guys. Thai guys. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard that it's not, it's not inclusive for, for everybody, but I've heard Thai guys before. Uh, what do you like? No, I do like Thai guys, but I think we need to figure <laughs> out a way to include the women. I've heard a women. bunch of people who have said Thai guys. Yeah. You know, Thai guys and Thai guys and dolls. <laughs> Thai guys. And that's dolls. a, that's a, that's a wiggle room song in the future, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we'll figure out something. Yeah. For the ladies, too. Uh, yeah. Thai guys and gals. I wish that I had been able to listen to the voicemails with Amy, maybe even as, as late as Friday night, and maybe we would have had a, a hit single from Taylor Swift's Peekaboo uh, <laughs> here on The Wiggle Room this week. But that was, that was not to be. But him finding the idol was so fun this week. Maybe we could have a Peekaboo Burnus appearance. Peekaboo Burnus, yeah. Brother, brother Peekaboo Burnus. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I mean, just the lyrics do write themselves. I see you. Peekaboo, you're going to be strong for me, buddy. It's going to happen for me. Please, please, please come home with me. We belong together. Peekaboo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's great. He's great. It really is great. I, I'm, I was really glad that Amy picked up on that. How high um, could the Ty Trang fandom go? What's the ceiling uh, on this? If Ty wins this season, I mean, it's huge. Yeah. You know, Ty will, if Ty wins this season, I got to imagine he goes down as, you know, one of the most loved winners in the history of Survivor. Um, you know, if he has like some sort of Rupert-like fall where he is, you know, screwed over and wrong, you know, if someone does wrong to him, uh, you know, if he, if he has like, if he gets gypped at some point down the line, I feel like people are going to feel really jilted and I think that they're going to be very protective of their Ty Trang. I think the ceiling is huge. I think that he's going to be, he's going to be talked about for for quite a while and i i gotta imagine it's not the the last tai chang appearance no matter how this shakes out too biggest survivor casting breakout since cochran wow since cochran yeah i mean tony vlacos yeah you know there's you could but you could run through kagian and there's yeah. so many people and joey amazing, joey amazing and stuff, spencer but, sure but uh but but i think that i think ty is big i think that you talk about ty in in you know in talking about those types of people i think he's in that conversation for sure i wonder though i feel like that ty has upside to be transcendent beyond survivor ty transcendent yes transcendent transcendent so, Maybe that's what we are, the transcendence. So we'll see. Uh, All right, so he is in possession of the hidden immunity idol. So where do you think that story ultimately goes? Do you think that he is going to begin sharing that information? Do you think he sits on it? Yeah, I think it could, it could go a lot of ways. You could see him and Caleb partnering up on that. You know, that's been set up already that these two are super close together. Um, he, is, he is one of the people that Anna talks about as, I trust Caleb, I trust Ty. So you could see him opening that up and maybe leveraging that with the three ladies on Beauty plus B mode um i think that the other thing that you need to think about now is that's not the only idol that's discovered in this episode kyle and scott have an idol as well or kyle specifically has an idol um and the point of the idols this season it was talked about in the pregame it's been talked about on the show now is that if you can find two idols and they fit together you now have a super idol um so should we start thinking about kyle and ty's stories in relation to one another is something to at least have on the radar right can now. you come up with any scenario where those two people start working together i mean before the game had started could you have come up with any scenario where caleb and ty were going to be best friends mm. you know there's 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 a way you know there is a way i don't know how that information gets out and that's what we've been saying about this super idol all along is like what's the incentive to to team up you know how how do you how do you find the other person with the idol what situation has to exist for that information to be shared with another individual who has an idol that's the that's the that's the 
the big question for me. Um, as far as their personalities, as far as the two of them syncing up, um, I mean, that's a, that's a wild team, the two of them. You know, Jason and Ty, that is a, that is a crazy, crazy pair. Um, so it'd be great television, I got to imagine. But how it happens, it, it is hard to see. That seems uh, pretty unlikely. In terms of the power structure of this tribe. Is it fair to say that Anna is the leader of this beauty tribe? It, it seems to kind of oscillate. Um, you know, last week, I don't think Anna had a confessional. Um, Michelle speaks in that. And, and, you know, Michelle, my winner pick, I'm, I'm hoping that things work out well for Michelle. She's the one who is narrating for the beauty ladies last week. She doesn't have a confessional this week. Anna has the confessional this week. And she is the one who is seen making moves toward recruiting Caleb to their squad. Um, so I feel like, um, you know, if, if next week we have a really prominent presence for Julia, then it's really going to be hard to figure out if this is, you know, if there's one person leading the way here or if it's really a three headed dragon that we're talking about or if it's it's just a two-headed beast. But right now, I don't know that I would say that Anna is definitively the leader of that group. It seems like Michelle has some leadership in there as well. Anna is certainly the one who made the move this week. What do you feel about the beast mode cowboy arc at this point? I like it. I do. I really like him right now. Um, I loved his scene with Ty. You like him as a person or you like his character arc or in terms of, him of the story that they're telling with him? I don't know him as a person. I know him as a TV character on Survivor, and that's it right now. And I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I really like his relationship with Ty. I thought that the scene with him and Ty killing the chicken, I thought that that was really touching the way he spoke to Ty and how he was considerate of Ty's feelings, certainly when contrasted to Nick, who is just totally a monster, a robot monster. Uh, I, thought that, I thought that Caleb, he's come off as really likable here. And he, again, like, you know, coming into this based on what I'd heard about him, I would have expected him to just, like, link up with nick and that was going to be a thing Mm -hmm. um but he seems really open to the idea of working with anna and michelle and julia because he says like those three are tight i should go with them um so i'm seeing nothing but good stuff from caleb so far on the show hero edit hero edit it it does seem that way you know he had the hero music in the first episode he has been shown to be a close friend of the guy that we all agree is sort of the breakout star of the season so far in terms of like the most lovable person on the cast um so you got to feel pretty good about how caleb is being represented on the show right now and so for nick do you feel like the book is closing on him soon maybe i mean if if beauty were to go to tribal as it exists right now you know we talked last week about what what does that look like and we said maybe tie it's just hard to know because there hasn't been a lot of drama there this week pushed us a little closer to an answer and if if it were to happen today you know if uh if if it had happened in this past episode nick seems like he's the guy that goes um beauty is a strong tribe you know a few first place finishes for these people i don't really see them losing a challenge in this current format so if nick can get to a swap and start linking up with some people and sort of move away from the beauties i think that nick is okay for a little while but if they are in you know if they're in tribal council in the next episode or two uh and they're still in that six him i think that he's he's boned but it's almost hard to imagine the scenario where nick is able to find a port in this storm because if you look at the people on the brawn tribe i mean do you see anybody that seems like that they're going to be receptive to nick over there i don't see him really becoming a confidant of jason or scott or sydney and then over on the brains tribe i think that other than peter i think it's really hard to imagine a match for him over on that side between all you could imagine him and peter together you could imagine certainly that you could imagine them broing down 
But in terms of Aubrey, who's talking about that, the emotional intelligence of Peter, that's a turnoff for her and how he's really sort of self-centered. You don't see her really clicking with Nick. Right. <laughs> I'm not sure if I see the Debbie and Nick thing happening either. So I wonder if maybe this could just be a bad season overall for Nick, or you could say maybe he's not doing that great a job. You know, it's one or the other right now. It feels like, you know, he's not well liked in his current tribe. And those seem like the people that he should be able to get along with. Young guy, hot guy, fit guy. He's surrounded by young, hot, fit people. Uh, you would think that he could blend in well. And we are getting, you know, on the show, we are getting people say, you know, talking about, you know, not in exact words, but they're discussing the douche chills. You know, they are talking about that. Um, so if he's not drawing well with those people and you do look across the field and like, could he work with Alicia? I could see that, you know, she's going to be looking for somebody at some point down the line if she makes it far enough maybe those two could do some i was gonna say they could do some damage but i don't really know if that's true uh but you could see them having shared interests you could see i could see like nick and joe being simpatico i do agree that you know if peter is you know rubbing certain people the wrong way over at brains you can't imagine that nick is really going to win those people over so it might just be a bad cast for nick or nick is just not that good at this so josh the other big story coming into this week's episode episode four and i had seen jeff probes talking about this from the preseason where episode four is going to be this very dramatic episode he said with dalton ross this week this is the most dramatic episode we've ever done and of course we heard so much in the preseason. This was such a grueling season, a brutal season. There could be medevacs. It sounds as though this is the week where that is going to start to come to the forefront. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the bomb is about to go off, uh, or at least a bomb is about to go off. What does Debbie have to say about that? The bomb doors are open. Prepare to fire. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully not actual bombs. Like, what if that's what's happening? It's like, if this challenge, you have to avoid a minefield. Uh, you know, I think... That would be a bad was, idea. That would be a bad call. That would be bad. Uh, yeah. But it does... <laughs> it does look like, you know, it does look like the horror show of Korang is about to reveal itself. You know, the reason that this has been discussed as the most punishing season ever, if Probst is calling this the most dramatic episode we've ever done, and if you compare that to the preview we saw at the end of episode three, and I haven't seen anything else, but I know that there are apparently some very, very dramatic previews that are out there right now. Um, it's gonna be, it's gonna be bad, and it could completely upend literally every single thing that we've already discussed in the wiggle room this week and everything that you've talked about on know-it-alls this past week that's the you know that's the threat of uh of korong is you know we know that this is looming that an evacuation at least on evacuation if not multiple is going to happen this season it looks like it's happening next week and it's at a weird spot because there's so much compelling action going on all over the board and right. now it's a little bit i guess like this uh jenga game that we've had and now it's like okay so we're going to fate is going to take one of these players out of the game and what does that do to the overall dynamics like maybe it could be like in the case of the original brains versus brawn versus beauty where we had somebody like a Lindsay who just quit and she was kind of just like a dead weight anyway she would have been like a predictable boot and that would have been fine and like last season where we had terry ultimately uh leave the game after what was going on with Danny, but the edit was at least already setting up that Terry seemed like he was going to be the next person to go home from Takeo, and that ultimately didn't change too much in that tribe. So 
it could go either way, where it's something that it's either could have massive ramifications in the game if it's somebody who looks like they have a lot of power, or if it's somebody who, let's say, hypothetically, Nick goes home. And it's like, okay, right. well, he was you know probably going to be the next person out in that tribe anyway, so it doesn't really change the landscape. And how do you think, you know, ter- like typically in terms of this stuff, when it's a medevac, I feel like that is a character that's, you know, fleshed out a decent amount. Um, Dana is like the big exception that I can think of where she was a really quiet character on Philippines. Uh, but, you know, like you think about Colton was a huge character. Russell Swan was a huge character on Galoo. Um, you know, Mike Scoopin, obviously huge, huge, huge character back in season two. And I feel like usually it is somebody that is a well-developed big character that goes in that spot. But then when it's something like, you know, a rock draw, or something like that. Like Katie Collins was a small character and that's somebody who gets eliminated in this really exciting way. Or Kimmy from last season, I feel like she was, you know, kind of a quiet character and then she goes out in this really big explosive way. So I, in terms of trying to predict who this might happen to, I think in terms of like medevac history, it typically is somebody that is drawn pretty big, but I could also see the argument that this could happen to somebody that just hasn't been super developed yet. I mean, it could really go either way. I don't think that we necessarily know a, it's not like, a typical boot type episode where it's like, okay, they were going to start building up this person before they go out. So it could start getting nervous for like anyone in the first couple of scenes who is just like having like the sad survivor music playing. Like I miss my family. It's so hard out here. It's the toughest thing I've ever done. That person's medevac. (laughs) That person's done. Could it be the opposite too? Could we get somebody (laughs) who's going to get medevac? Who's like, Oh man, I feel like I've got everything the way I want it to be. Uh, sure, sort yeah. of like the typical like something completely out of whack would have like, to happen. Un- unless something that unforeseen happens, yeah. like I feel like I'm going to win this thing. Yeah. Yeah, like a Piambo confessional could definitely lead to a medevac. That was Joe Dowdle's edit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was the biggest character of Token Jeans. Oh yeah. He was number one, number one on the board. Number Winners one, certainly. Yeah, so I, I think you could you could see it going a bunch of ways. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, we haven't really talked about our meta draft that we did at the, you know, Wiggle Room Zero that you and I did, but it seems like we will we will have much to discuss after this coming episode. Yeah, we will come back and update it next week. How would Liz Markham have, would that have scored points, you know, Liz going home? Nobody have, had you know, her. Even though, yeah, if, if someone had had her, uh, the fact that she was evacuated to the States post-game, does that count? No, I believe our criteria were medically evacuated, doctor looks at you on the show, we right. have nothing about if you get injured or they discover something was wrong with you at Ponderosa. Maybe that's right. something to talk about for next season. I don't know. It's, it's, you know, it's nerve wracking. Uh, it's, I'm definitely tense. Like even just thinking about it right now, I'm feeling a little anxious about what's going to come down in this, in this coming episode. I'm, I don't want to see anyone get really, really hurt. And like, if it's Ty, forget it, man. I'm out on this. Forget season. it. Forget it. Let's just, it would just be, be the worst. Let's just ever. shutter up the doors on the podcast and call it. Yeah, a day. Just call it. Just it's over. It's done. Okay. So Josh, I know that you are one of the most tapped in people in the survivor community. You come onto the wiggle room each week and you share very generous generously your exclusives right. you can go to any other media outlet with these exclusives but you bring them here this Rob's is our house podcast. man this is our house this is what we do you know this is this is it's our it's our room in, a, in your house how about that but in my room i like to put the exclusive poster on the wall and invite people to to come and take a look at it so josh what did you bring with you this week 
Well, I think that there were, you know, there were a lot of directions that we could have gone this week with Liz Markham. You know, I put I put the feelers out with my listserv of Survivor alums. Like, hey, does anyone have anything to say about Liz this week? I know you guys are all super talented. Does anybody have a thing that they've got in their back pocket that you want to say about Liz? And I had some suggestions for like Thin Lizzy, the brains are back in town. I kind of thought that that was a little weak sauce. Uh, but I, I got the I got the pitch from Antonio Mazzaro, uh, actually, who is not a Survivor alum, but he is a, he is a friend here of RHAP on Post Show Recaps very frequently, and he had requested me, if you could find somebody who can just do, like, BB-8 noises about Liz Markham, that would be great. You know, making a joke that she was a little game body. I thought that that was kind of mean, but I put out the feelers. I said, hey, does anyone, you know, does anyone have, like, a robot song? Does anyone have, like, Domo Arigato lined up? Does anyone have anything like that? Um, I actually heard back from somebody, and it was fairly obscure. I was not expecting to hear from this person. Um, so I will read you the email I got with an attachment of an MP3 that we will play in a second here. And this is the letter that I received. You ready? Ready. All right. This says, hey, Josh, long time, no talk. It's me, Ali Pohovitz. Oh. I, I love robots. Are you a fan of Transformers the movie? Not the Michael Bay movies, but the original one from 1986, based on the original animated series. You know, the one where Optimus Prime dies and your childhood gets ruined? Sorry if I just spoiled it, lol. Anyway, in Transformers the movie, the Autobots show up on a planet covered in trash and meet the Junkions, a weird group of robots who learned how to speak through watching TV. After a brief misunderstanding, the Autobots and Junkions decide to become friends, thanks to Hot Rod showing up and offering the universal greeting, Ba Weep Grana Weep Minibong. They all celebrate while dancing around to the tune of Weird Al's Dare to be Stupid. It's one of my favorite scenes in any movie ever, and one of my favorite songs, too. So because we're such good friends, you, Josh Wiggler, and me, Ali Pohovitz, I decided to write and record this song for you. If you use it on your podcast, please credit me as Weird Ali. Okay, that's it. Talk soon. Uh, so this is from Weird Ali. Uh, it is definitely weird. It is definitely obscure. And let's hit it. Epic intro. It's really good. Hey, this my come and your best friend repeat. It's time for you to feel a blind side. One of you will go home before Beast Mode Cowboy. It's time to lose a three-way tie. It won't be Dr. Peter Baggins-Dos. It won't be Chicken Dam or even Rich Hatch. I'm sorry, but it's time for Liz Markheim. You are the person who just got outmatched. Bruce and Bob Dog at the Casa de Sherman. These people, they are not around. Instead, we're talking about the frauds and the beauties and the brains. Liz, the tribe is spoken. Debs, the one who tricked you. Pete's still here, but kind of screwed. What can he do? Don't be so stupid. Say that you'll be loyal. Look for hidden idols. Pray. Just coming soon And until then Try not to be so stupid Liz Markham just left the beach She left much sooner than she'd wished She can go home and commiserate With her ex-boyfriend Fish Who she met on OkCupid Liz Markham met Steven on OkCupid Survivor's not easy to do We can't all play like you Quan. All right. <laughs> oh wow! Weird Alley. Wow. Weird Weird Alley in with uh, on OkCupid. 
And Weird Al had also written a PS saying, yes, I realize that was a long way to go for an OK Cupid rhyme. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> well, it was so worth it. Worth the ride, Allie. <laughs> so that, that was Weird Alley. Uh, I feel like only like five people will appreciate that. I know Sarah Freeman, OG Transformers fan, will be one of them. Yeah, of course. So we great. all appreciate I, it. Yeah, but I, I know like a lot of people, this episode was called The Circle of Life. They wanted to hear some sort of Circle of Life thing. Uh, so I brought that too, Rob. I brought a Circle of Life exclusive as well. Okay, oh, that's this other one? Let me see, okay. Yeah, yeah. so we've, we, we've got a backup. Let me just set this up first, though, because I, I have mixed feelings about playing it. Um, it's an ode to Stephen Fish back, and I got a little bit of a bone to pick with Fish right now. Oh, no, why? Or, or a scab to pick with Fish. I should say, because he's been like slamming me on Twitter before no yeah, one started the season. It's just annoying. You can you know, fish I, it out. I, I was, I was on. You know, I was doing my best to fill in for him last season. I was trying to be his buddy. I was, you know, we were a little mean to him that first week. I feel like I was very nice to him for the rest of the thing, and now he's on Twitter blasting me and calling me a scab. So I have mixed feelings about airing this one. This was something that I had commissioned actually after Cambodia is kind of like a welcome back to the know-it-alls, welcome back to the podcast thing. And then I shelved it because he said that stuff. It really bothered me. But you know what? You guys should not be, you know, you guys shouldn't be penalized for that. We'll play it anyway. I did, you know, I put some money into this thing. You know, John Cochran, Elton John Cochran is the, is the writer of this, of this song along wow. with uh, li- lyrics by Jim Rice. And it's just, it's tough to, you know, they, they asked for a pretty penny, so I don't want it to go to waste. So let's, uh, let's cue this thing up. Let's cue up this tribute to Stephen Fishback. I even got the Hingwanama Bada's in there. From the day he arrived on Rob's planet And speaking into a microphone It was hard to see Through glasses stained with feces More fishies than could ever be one the biggest fan of Bill Shakespeare Just came back from his second round He returned to the beach for all of RHAP He made us proud even though his pants turned brown He's a fish named Steven He's a no JT and Joe. So many Joe Dabbles. He got second place on Survivor Token Jeans on Cambodia. He finished in nine. So, like, this is like pretty pleasant stuff. I feel yeah, like. that was you very know, nice. It, you know, it's really nice. Like, if nothing else, it's just laying out the facts. You know, it's not you know overly praiseworthy, but it's. I feel like it's a pretty pleasant song. Yeah, I you bet know, he's going to feel really bad for those things he said like about he you. This is also. I have a, a few script notes from from Cochran. Uh, you know, very you know prestigious screenwriter um and this is the scene where coach comes in and he's like painting you know on on fish's face and he's about to hold him up over the cliffside and present him to everybody you know for the first time just really bust this guy out but then uh you hear like a little grumble 
and and like Fish's face just like kind of turns white. Oh no! Things start to get a little explosive, and well, this happens. Gastrointestinal distress. It was really gross. It was so very gross. Severely, severely gross. And then the title card smashes up and it says, The Bion King. <laughs> the Bion King. <laughs> All right, well, excellent good, work. Right? Excellent work. That'll really teach him to mess with Josh Wiggler, right? Teach, teach him a lesson. Okay. No, I, love you. I love you, Stephen Fishback. Welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> All right. Josh, great job once again in the Wiggle Room. You could follow Josh Wiggler on Twitter. He is at Round Howard. He is also going to be traveling uh, this week, so we hope to... If That's not a code or anything. I'm actually traveling <laughs> next week. I have some fun stuff. I'm actually having fun with my life. There is no, <laughs> nothing to pick apart here right now. Please. Well, I'm, you're I'm now the serious. boy who cried Julie Wolf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. <laughs> okay. I am. I am the boy who cried Julie Wolf. Hopefully, we'll have something next week. I will be traveling. I will be on vacation with my wife, but if I can if I can call in, that would be cool. Probably not going to have an exclusive next week. It'll be tough to, to get that on the road, but we could still have some fun in the wiggle room if I can call in. Okay. All right. And then, Josh, the hashtag. I feel like there's only one way we can go. What's that? It has to be Kyle Jason. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good, right? That was f- tremendous. <laughs> Highlight of my day so far. <laughs> all right so i feel like that that's a good approach for him get a little kyle jason going on stay away from the russell hands thing just show us a, another side of you scott jason and sydney if the three of them came together in some sort of voltron character it would be kyle jason <laughs> <Kyle Jason. laughs> <laughs> and you know i know we said like you can't really see nick working well with kyle but russell hands had his mick trimming so if you can get a little nick trimming going on maybe that'll maybe that'll do <laughs> nick well. trimming okay yeah all right, perfect, Josh. Uh, great job. Looking forward to reading the comments on robiswebsite.com. Next up, we're going to be back with David Bloomberg coming up on Tuesday to talk about why Liz lost. Also, uh, News AF is now Twos AF that we're changing it live. We're going to record it on Tuesdays. That podcast will go up on Wednesday because I didn't have anything that was going up Wednesday morning. And so you have that, and that's not really survivor-dependent. doesn't matter if the life cycle of that, if it goes up closer to Survivor, that's going to be fine. You can listen to that even after the Survivor episode, whereas Wiggle Room and David Bloomberg, Why Liz Lost, those really, after the Survivor episode airs, become uh, a little uh, less fresh. It has the scent of anus air from <laughs> Yeah after a while josh anything else no good stuff today i'll talk to you soon all right be sure to check out more of uh, josh wiggler over on postshowrecaps.com and be on the lookout for josh's exit interview every week on parade.com or go to robinswebsite.com slash parade looking forward to hearing your comments on robinswebsite.com have a good one everybody take care Gastrointestinal distress. It was really gross. 
severely, severely grow.